The Last Word with Matt Cooper. The state does not have a pay deal with its public sector workers, about 380,000 of them. The existing deal expired at the end of 2023 and negotiations to put a new one in place have to date ended in failure. Negotiations ended at 3am this morning. We're joined by the Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donoghue. Thank you for joining us, Minister. Good evening, Matt. No. You offered, according to reports, the majority of public sector workers an 8% pay rise over the next two years and those in the lowest income sector would have seen increases of 12%. There's still going to be inflation this year, could be around 3%, hopefully it'll be less next year. So that's a little bit better than inflation, but doesn't really take into account that there's been an increase in prices over the last three years of 18%. Why would you expect public sector workers to vote for something, to agree to something that leaves them materially better off, or worse off? Uh, because, Matt, uh, uh, no employer is going to be in a position uh, that we can entirely compensate people for the change in prices that have happened over the last two years. Over the last two years, all over our economy, all over our country, we saw wage increases continue to take place. Uh, but, of course, I know the price of everything did go up uh, due to the war, due to the inflation after the pandemic. Uh, but it's also the reason why we're bringing forward wage increases, as you said, that would be ahead of the rate of inflation over the last two years. Uh, in the next two years, with those on particular on lower income, uh, seeing their wages go up by approximately 12% during that period, which is significantly ahead of the rate of inflation. So the ve- in recognition of what has happened in recent years is the reason why we would have a proposal here that is ahead of the rate of inflation in the next couple of years. But all over the public sector, you're having issues with retaining people who've decided to go to the private sector instead because they can get better pay there. You're having all sorts of attraction problems. You can't fill vacancies across ranges of jobs in the public sector. If you don't make the pay more attractive to them, how do you expect to fill those vacancies and to keep people? Matt, our, our public sector is far bigger than it was three years ago. Our public sector is getting bigger in size, not smaller in size. The health sector alone has 22,000 more people working in it than it had two years ago. So actually, far from what you're suggesting there, we have a public sector that's getting bigger and bigger. It's growing because we need to have public services of a different nature as the world, as our country and society evolves. But a growing public sector, in terms of the number of people working in us speaks to the competitiveness of what the public sector can offer in terms of both wages, but also broader benefits in relation to pensions and in relation to how your career can be structured within the public sector. Then why do we have so many vacancies in the nursing profession, for example? Shortages of teachers and inability to replace retiring guardy with new ones. Because we're at full employment. We've never had more people at work in our country. And the challenges that you've referred to there is the case for every employer within the state. As you would know, uh, when and if you have, which you do regularly, have private sector employers on uh, on your show, uh, they would point to the difficulty they have attracting and retaining staff. And most governments across the world, and certainly within Europe, face exactly the same challenges in terms of getting and keeping public servants. Uh, we have a greater demand for public servants uh, for, because we've a greater demand for public services. We've responded to that in Ireland by having more people work within our public service. 
but the reason we still have a demand for them is because we're at full employment um, because of that like any employer we can't get all of the people we want at each point in time the we've in- over 20,000 more people working within our health service now Matt, than we did a couple of years ago but Jeff, would you not concede that there are many positions that remain open that in all types of public service jobs where you can't get the required people to skill level to fill them because the salaries aren't good enough? Uh, I, I don't fully accept that, actually. Um, we every day recruit people into our public service out of the private sector. Every single day that happens. With people moving into the civil service now who've worked in the public, who've worked in the private sector beforehand. With people working in uh, different agencies within the state that have already worked in the private sector. So I, I don't accept the premise of that question. And I just make the point again uh, that the challenge that we do have with vacancies reflects the fact that there's a demand for workers all over our economy. And if the premise of your question was really right, uh, then we wouldn't have been able to grow the public sector in the way we have in recent years in the significant increase in the number of people who are now working in us. Is it the case that some people move at a stage in their life into the public sector for the added security that they have, knowing that they're most unlikely to ever be made redundant and that they have a guarantee of a pension they may not get in the private sector? It's certainly a feature in some, um, in, in, in some who work within our public sector, that the public sector does offer benefits that not every private sector employer can in terms of certainty of employment and also in terms of the value of your pension and certainty in relation to your pension. Um, we have, in fairness, made changes to the public sector pension as well in recent years, reflecting the need of that fact that that has to be affordable as well in the years ahead. But the pro- public sector overall as an employer does offer benefits beyond just the nature of the wages that we pay. Um, and we'd also make the case that that should be recognised then in negotiations like this with regard to pay. You are offering a £2.9 billion pay deal, but... Can't you afford to go significantly higher than that, given the buoyant tax revenues that are coming in at present? But all that buoyancy is generated by corporate tax. Um, Corporate tax that I'm absolutely certain will not be available in the quantities uh, that it is available to us now in the future to come. Um, I'm certain that that corporate tax revenue will decline. What happens when that corporate tax revenue declines if we're then using that revenue to pay our public servants? We've been down to this path before, where we paid uh, uh, ongoing um, expenses. We paid for everyday spending out of tax revenue. It turned out we weren't going to have available to us um, uh, indefinitely into the future. And the last thing I want to do is make that mistake all over again. Um, are you're so aware of all of the warnings from experts from the Department of Finance here in our own country too, you know, making the point. Uh, that corporate tax revenue that we have will decrease at some point in time. And when it goes down, we have to make sure we're not using it to pay for day-to-day spending. It's happened to us once before, Matt. I don't want that to happen again. This is an election year. We're going to have local and European elections in June. There's the possibility of a general election before the end of the year. Is it a reality of this, Matt, that you will end up bending and doing a deal? That the unions know that? That the last thing that this government can take this year is vital public services been denied to people because employees have gone on strike? That's a question really also for the uh, trade union uh, leaders themselves to answer. Um, But they're not here, uh, I'm asking you. 
Uh, indeed, Matt, and I was about to go on and answer it to you uh, uh, as well. Uh, uh, I'll answer that by, of course, acknowledging uh, that we have elections coming up with local and European elections approaching uh, just before the summer, uh, but Doyle itself comes to an end in February 2025, um, and the leaders have made clear the desire of the government to run its full mandate. And, you know, the decisions that, you know, the consequences of the course of action you're outlining there would also have... Uh, con- you know, political uh, effects too. Um, if, for example, uh, we were to make a large amount of additional money available for public pay, that in turn then might affect our ability in budget 2025 to make more money available for housing, to make more money for investment and other things uh, that the country wants us to do. Because every euro that we collect in taxes, we can only spend only spend that once. Um, and likewise, if we're in a situation that we agree to wage increases that are way ahead of the rate of inflation for this year and the years to come, that will also have an effect on every other employer within the state in terms of the expectations that their workers have, in terms of the payments and wages they're able to make available to them. There are very, very few employers who will be in a position to do that, who will be in a position to pay way ahead of the rate of inflation in the next few years For all the reasons, you know, our economy is slowing down. We can see all the changes that are taking place in the global economy uh, due to conflict and due to security. And, uh, you know, putting in place a wage, a pace of wage growth that is ultimately not affordable is also something I'm accountable for and is also something that will have a political effect that I'm aware of. Thank you very much, Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donoghue. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and